0: Welcome to The New Chemist. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Here on The New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is a science of change, as well as careers, community research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is the Dean of the College of Engineering at Georgia Tech, Dr. Raheem Beyer. Thanks for joining me today. It is good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. Dr. Bale is a Georgia Tech alumnus. He earned his master's and PhD in electrical and computer engineering from Georgia Tech in 1999 and 2003, respectively. He received his bachelor of science in electrical engineering from North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University in 1998. A native of Atlanta, he is a graduate of the Atlanta Public Schools system. Dr. Bale also leads the communications assurance and performance group and is affiliated with the Institute for Information Security and Privacy. He is a co-founder and board chair of Fortified Logic, Incorporated, an industrial cybersecurity company. He served as he serves as Institute Data Security Lead. He is a co-founder and steering committee member of the Academic and Research Leadership Network. He is held several additional leadership roles at Tech, including serving as Interim Steve W. Chadek Electrical and Computer Engineering School Chair during the 2017 to 2018 academic year, the Electrical and Computer Engineering Associate Chair for Strategic Initiatives and Innovation from 2016 to 2018, and Chair of the Electrical and Computer Engineering, Computer Systems and Software Technical Interest Group from 2015 to 2017. He received the National Science Foundation Career Award in 2009 and was selected for the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency Computer Science Study Panel in 2010. He's a member of the association, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the American Society for Engineering Education, a lifetime member of the National Society of Black Engineers, a senior member of the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers, and an association for computing Machinery Distinguished Sciences. Prior to becoming a faculty member at Georgia Tech, Dr. Bale was an assistant professor in the Department of Computer Science at Georgia State University. A research engineer with electrical and computer engineering at Tech, and a consultant with Anderson Consulting, now Accenture. He has served as guest editor for a number of journals and magazines including ieee network magazine and ieee communications magazine and an associate editor of several journals in the field please welcome dr thanks for joining me it's good to have you on um so uh you are a very accomplished engineer. Uh, you're now dean of the college of, Eng- dean of the College of engineering dean of the college of engineering at georgia tech which is a very good engineering school um so my question to you is what have been your long-standing interests in the field of science
1: yeah well, well first david thank you for inviting me and, and taking the time to chat with me um that's a that's a good question i I originally um, was drawn into uh, to, to, to the STEM field through video games and oh, wow. many years ago. Um, so I was uh, a young kid and my grandmother bought me a, a an Atari 2600. And uh, I tell folks that, that that thing changed my life. I had lots of fun on that. And I had all the systems after that. And I would always um, uh, see various points in the game and and let's say you see like a, a broken down vehicle and I would like, man, it'd be really cool if we can drive this tank or fly this helicopter. And and that got me thinking, well, what if I could change the game, And which ultimately is obviously uh, computer programming. Hmm. And so, so that kind of led me in the direction of computing um, in, in high school and, and ultimately decided to, to switch to um, electrical engineering. And by the time I finished my undergraduate degree, I was really... Fascinated by the whole concept of networking, uh, computer networking. And so that has been uh, what I've been focused on uh, for the last couple of decades now.
0: Oh, wow. um,
1: as I finished my PhD, I really wanted to focus in on a specific area of, of uh, networking, which was network security or, or cybersecurity. Okay. And so I, I end up uh, focusing on that. But you'll see that almost all my papers, um, uh, even the standard cybersecurity papers, have this sort of networking flair to them.
0: Okay. So, this is just a sidebar um, as we continue the conversation. um, Typically, I know for chemistry and biology, science and nature is like the pinnacle of uh, journal publishing. Is that what's the pinnacle like journal for publishing in cybersecurity? What would you say is a top journal?
1: Yeah, so they're actually four number one conferences um, in cybersecurity. And it's not journals, it's confer- conferences. Um, but they're, you know, 15 page, 16 page conferences, right? So it's, it's like, you know, dual, dual columns. So just like a, a, a long journal. Uh, and that's ACM, CCS, uh, NDSS is the second one. Um, IEEE Security and Privacy, known as Oakland, and okay. then USENIX Security. So those four are the, are the number they're simply tied for, for number one in cybersecurity. And ideally you want to get something in those conferences as, as, a, as a graduate student and a faculty member.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. I didn't know that, so that's good information. So, you know, given all of the issues that uh, COVID-19 has brought a lot of people and also challenges in academia, how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general?
1: Yeah, you know, that, that's important to do. Um, I've always been very interested in making a significant societal impact. Okay. Um, and, in the way I, I look at the various roles that I've been in, they've been sort of the mechanism for me to, to do that. Okay. Um, and the more I, I build my voice as I, you know, went from a, a interim chair to, a uh, research vice president and now dean of engineering the more I build my voice the more likely it is I can have uh, societal impact and, and specifically um, I'm very interested in expanding access I want to make sure that the folks that come behind mm-hmm. me and come behind you um, if they're absolutely qualified we got to make sure that they can they can get in the door at, at Georgia Tech and many many other places um, mm-hmm. so that has kind of been innate for me I've, I've just seen um, the difference between uh, the, the those with resources and those that uh, that don't have them and uh i I know folks that are really really bright and and didn't have resources and just never had any good opportunities and that and that just that bothers me so that's always been sort of my my true north something that i've been i've been focused on and i'm actually it's a lot easier for me to deal with and and view the big picture it's the 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 sort of blocking and tackling things that uh, like operational type things are are not uh, Things that I, I really enjoy doing, so it's mm-hmm. it's usually easy for me in terms of um, big picture. It's focusing on the true north and what's really important. And for me, that's that's family and physical and mental health and all those things exactly. first. Um, and then it's okay. Well, I, I have a job that I got to make sure I do this job
0: well. Okay, so you what you said raises a lot of questions. In terms of you said you uh, you see the big picture. So what's your take on how do you pragmatically break it down? What's your first step? You don't have to go through the whole process, but how do you go from okay, I want to expand access to what do I need to do today, or what do I need to do on um, this year?
1: Yeah. No, no, that, that's a good point. So, so what what I mentioned also was that um, I needed to uh, build my voice, right? So it's like the 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 more significant of a voice you have the more change that you can you can ultimately affect mm-hmm. and so uh part of that is actually being successful in my career right so if we don't if we don't if we ignore actually sort of mechanically um uh, trying to expand access and just look at building the voice that essentially has been exceptional in my my current career and continuing to progress right mm-hmm. so that's one thing so such that i can get to a point where I can, you know, have a conversation, I can call somebody that's, you know, extremely senior, you know, like a, a Gary May, for example, or many other college presidents who are mentors and friends, and say, "Hey, I got this idea on uh, about expanding access." So the first part is really building, building the voice. So being exceptional at your current roles and progressing, but then there are other things that you can do that are um, um, kind of practical, right? So at, at Georgia Tech, we just, um, and this is done by our president. We just. Um, announced uh, an APS pathway, so Atlanta Public School pathway. And what that that? means is if you apply to Georgia Tech and you don't get accepted in the first round, and by the way, we we don't accept many amazing students because we just don't have room. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that they're not quality, it just means that we just don't have room. Um, But what that means is if you you went to APS um, and went through APS and applied, didn't get accepted, you have up to two years if you meet certain requirements um then you can essentially have an automatic acceptance uh coming back in as a transfer student a year or two later so being involved in those programs trying to amplify those programs i'm actually an APS grad um so i you know trying to be central in those programs is one way to do it another way to do it is looking at um we have these online programs uh so we have an online masters in computer science Mm -hmm. online masters in analytics Online masters in uh, cybersecurity, and I was the executive director that actually stood up the online masters in cybersecurity program. And that screams access because now there's no physical boundary; you can be all over the world. We we literally have students all over the world, and also um, it's it's from a cost perspective, it's not it's not unreasonable. And so it's you know it's ten thousand dollars tuition for the whole master's degree, right? Not per class, not per semester, per degree. Um, And a third piece about that, that is expanding access is that you don't have to have a computer science or engineering undergraduate degree to get accepted into the master's program. Right. So you can do these interesting programs that are much more accessible to people.
0: Okay. Wow. That's good. Yeah, man. We leave our footsteps behind. And also, um, wow, you said a lot of important things, uh, building your voice. So, um, how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of science?
1: Yeah, so it, it's it's funny. That's almost kind of natural for um, you know. If you'll, you'll appreciate as you get out um, and your advisor now also sort of like PhD level research researchers, mm-hmm. you will kind of naturally adapt um, mm-hmm. in order to survive, right? Because what what happens is uh, problems shift, right? Mm-hmm. It, and we're making progress with all sorts of things, um, and so so for example. Um, there's a hole in, in, in the um, sort of, um, uh, I guess, sort of business slash sociology type space, uh, actually probably more like a HR type space. There's now this this, this really important area um, called future work, which, you know, people never really, they, they weren't focused on it pre-COVID, but now, post-COVID, uh, or, you know, in the middle of COVID, hopefully, in a in a few months or, or a little bit longer would be post COVID. Yeah, I hope uh, but interested. now this is a big deal because people have found out, well guess what? I don't have to be physically co-located with folks to, to work together, right? And so mm-hmm. even even at, at Georgia Tech, um, you know, we're we're conducting research, instruction, and our staff support. None of these things are, are co-located with each other, right? So they could almost you could almost have people all the way across the world, right? I mean it doesn't matter at this point. And so the the, the question is well, how should the university of the future look? How should the workplace of the future look? Do we go back to do the exact same thing? So my whole point is that because of this event, it's, it's almost ushered in a new or amplified um, a previous research area, so people adapt and shift. And the same thing happens for technology. So over my career, I uh, went from, you know, interested in networking to quality of service and networking to wireless networking to wireless network security and then ultimately to cyber security and finally now my, my focus is on cyber physical system security so this sort of the inner integration of engineering and computing and a lot of that just depended on um, my interests it, it changed over time mm-hmm. uh, problems change over time and also funding changes yeah. you know, over funding time changed. Funding agencies, they decide, you know, every year, you know, what are are the priorities and and you need to be aligned with those if you want to be funded.
0: I agree. So, you know, just to drop a little plug, a little plug for you talked about expanding access, you know, I think just throw this idea idea out there, Um, I think it would be good if students of Caribbean heritage could also eventually, because I, I, I think the evidence is there that in terms of discipline and work ethic, students from the Caribbean do have a good, uh, do have a good representation in that area. So it'd be Mm -hmm. good if like schools such as tech and others could eventually, hopefully in the next decade or two start expanding access to those students as well. I think that would be a good, I think that'd be good, especially students of color from those areas. So-
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I love to go and, uh, you know, visit those places to do some boots on the ground, uh, discovery, right? You know, who who doesn't want to go to the Caribbean, so yeah
0: but even even helping strengthen the research capacity would be good. So how have you sought or found the right environment for you to thrive scientifically and intellectually?
1: Yeah, you you know, I kind of stumbled upon that. I think um, uh, when I was, um, when I came out of undergrad, I only applied to one graduate program, which was Georgia Tech. And that was a a mistake. I mean, fortunately it uh, worked out. Uh, but I always, it worked, it worked I, out
0: well, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but
1: you, know, you, but you, you, you never know, right? So, you know, I, I always encourage folks to, you know, listen, we want Georgia Tech to be your number one choice. Uh, we think we're, we are the best out there and, uh, and we're the best for you. So certainly apply to us, but who knows what may happen um, and, and apply to apply to other places as well. And so I always wanted to come back to Atlanta and I knew Georgia Tech was a very good school and that was kind of how I made my decision. I never thought that I would be working at, um, at Georgia Tech. And when I got to Tech, uh, you know, certainly it was not perfect, uh, but I had uh, overall a, a, a very good experience. I had a, a PhD advisor um, who is, you know, he just turned 80, uh, 80 old white male um, now. And he's, you know, he was like a father to me and, uh, you know, just more supportive than I could have ever imagined. And uh, so I kind of stumbled upon just really good people, good mentors and, and good advisors that created an environment uh, for me to thrive. And then once I saw that, hey, well, this is, this is possible, And then I was much more intentional about, well, is this the place that I want to stay? Do they you know, are, are our values aligned? And that's really important for me. Um, I'm not um, you know, I'm, I, I won't be at any organization where I don't feel that the, my values are aligned with that organization. It's just life is too short for that. And and honestly, you know, I I feel that it it does. I mean, we have really good leadership, very interested in in essentially all the things that I'm interested in. So to me, it's a it's a treat to be where I am. Uh, But again, I stumbled on it, and then I realized this is a really good place to be.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure that very sundry uh, PhD students who eventually like to work at a place like George definitely the one right there. Um, So um what have been your most effective and impactful ideas to date what would you say have been the the most impactful ideas you have implemented whether it be network security whether it be in your various roles in administration what would you say has been your most impactful idea
1: yeah i would i would go with um let's go with one technical one and and one uh, sort of um, uh, mentoring. Like, yeah yeah we'll do that so so the technical one is I, uh, I I'm pretty much probably most known for work I've done in, in rogue access point detection and, and so this is really early work you know a couple of decades ago literally but it's it's, yeah, it's you know, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> it's you know you got these wireless access points and believe it or not they were not as pervasive as they are now right and so you would have you got to be basically rich to get one of these you know like companies would have to be really wealthy to have two of them and you might have wi-fi in you know 10 percent of the building right mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what it was when i was in in, uh, in graduate school early on and um, uh, so there was this risk that kind of popped up, uh, this threat of, well, what if you know, an individual bought their own access point, wireless access point, and plugged into the, the network? Um, what happens? And now you basically are expanding the company's private network into, let's say, the parking lot where you can have an attacker just sitting in their car, just you know, monitoring traffic. Uh, trying to reach these malicious uh, uh, reach various uh, machines that are uh, via malicious ways um so all that stuff was was you know folks were worried about and there had been been some attacks and so we end up coming up with a really cool technique that um, before it was like well let's look it's it's going to emit these wireless signals these rogue devices so let's let's kind of drive around walk around and and uh, see if we can detect these wireless devices. But that's crazy for like a a campus, you know, like a Georgia Tech type campus or even companies that have these large campuses. Um, So the method that I and and colleagues developed focused on, well, if if we look at the backbone traffic, because that's ultimately what they're trying to do, if you connect a wireless access point to a network, they're ultimately trying to traverse that network. So what we can do is monitor the traffic at the backbone and we had some clever algorithms to determine that that traffic originated from a wireless device and not a wired device. And then once we were able to do that, we can determine if that wireless device was a rogue or not because we had a list of all the ones that were legit and and, then able to determine that this was a rogue device. And so what's neat about it is now, if you have a a company that's that's massive, let's say like a Sandia, which is massive out of New Mexico. um, And this is again, decades ago, we don't have to, Walk, literally walk the halls, people would walk the halls with RF scanners looking for signals um, over, you know, uh, you know, half a mile, you know, kind of square foot or, or, or whatever, um, you, know, uh, you know, half a mile radius, I guess you, you could, you could argue um, for these massive campuses. You can just look at the network traffic and, and, and determine that. So that's, that's what I became uh, when I became a distinguished scientist, the ACM distinguished scientist citation mm-hmm. is for the work in rogue access point detection we had one of the earliest papers in that world and then the other thing i would say that um, i'm most proud of is me and uh, two of my colleagues sam <clears throat> excuse me sam ram and Barcola. cola who sam is the mechanical engineering chair and bar is a professor mechanical mm-hmm. uh we came up with um the uh, arl network so the academic research and leadership network and uh the whole goal of this network was to develop a community for stem uh, phds and near phds basically like you because we noticed that that just didn't really exist and and we wanted to make sure we had various type of mentoring programs and all that in place well we started about seven eight years ago fast forward we have um about 400 members now and uh and it's a very active network we've had about five or six we have these workshops that they are co-located with Nesby, and mm-hmm. we would pay to fly people up you know maybe 30 35 folks up to do like a two-day intensive training on how to be successful in academia you know how to do your dossier how to how to interview how to do all those other things and mm-hmm. so we've been doing that for about five or six years so this is a community that that didn't exist and we actually were able to to build it from scratch so I'm
0: pretty proud of that oh that's good so I'm gonna be very upfront you know one of my goals is actually working in academia so cool. professor so is this available for um is this available for outside students or is this only a tech student? no no it's,
1: it's uh it's uh it, it's certainly um all students so it, it's it's phds or so it's a research community so it's phds and okay. their phd so it's just arlnetwork.org
0: okay
1: you can sign up there
0: okay cool that's good that's very good yeah so yeah i thought that's interesting you said marching network traffic to determine, if I'm understanding what you said correctly, mm-hmm. marching network traffic to determine the origins of where the, inter- the interference is coming from. Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying?
1: Well, to, to determine the origins of the traffic itself. And so can I look at the traffic and, and determine that it, it started on a wired network or a wireless network? It turns out you can just because wireless networks um, are just a lot more um, uh, stochastic, if you will. And, and, huh. and, they, and they also have um, various protocols that actually leak over into the wired network. And if you can detect those protocols and the traffic, you can say, well, this had to have come from a wireless network.
0: Okay, so I have a, I have a question about that is yeah. concerned. You said wireless networks are so much sarcastic. Um, to what extent? Because uh, I thought, um, is it because of what artificial intelligence or is it the capacity of it to self generate or coming with a new ways yeah. to its structure?
1: No, I'm just talking about really its acceptability to um, interference. You know, you, you turn on a microwave and your SNR is going to, uh, you know, drop uh, significantly, right? So it, it's it's you, you basically have this shared medium versus a wired network where it's not shared. And so if there's no if I, if you, when you plug into the wall, there's no contention. It's just your device that can communicate on the network, and you're using a network switch. But on a wireless network, there is going to be contention. You're going to be fighting with the other wireless devices that are there on on, that, that are in the, in your your proximity. Mm -hmm. You're going to be fighting with microwaves and other RF interference. You're going to be fighting with lightning strikes um, and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. So all my point is all that can affect the wireless network versus the wired network. And that plus the type of um, medium access protocol that wireless networks use Allows you to distinguish between the two.
0: That's good. So, how do you maintain you? Uh, you have you have a lot of responsibilities, and you have accomplished a lot of stuff. So, how do you maintain balance, Dr. Bell? How are you maintaining balance?
1: Yeah, balance is hard. You know, people talk about work-life balance, and and you know, I've heard other phrases of work-life integration and. Mm. Um, you know w- what I try to do is make sure that I prioritize what uh, what's what are important and and that's that's family um, and you know you have to be very intentional about it mm-hmm. you know oftentimes you know I will have to work late I had to work late tonight I had to worked late last night and and uh, so I won't be able to spend as much time with my, my kids and family um, but I just make sure that I, I prioritize things and know that it's gonna going be give and take and if I if I really you know can't spend time you know these these two days during the week then I got to make sure I get it in uh with family and kids on the weekend and just know that it's that balance is kind of hard um but you just got to make sure you prioritize and even um if you you start out doing it then it, it will it will just continue throughout your career and so um even if it's things that are important you have to be willing to miss those things um for your 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 mental health and for your family's health exactly. um, i try to be very intentional about my my meetings even now do i go into work or do i, I work from home and I, i'm intentional about those things to minimize the time that i'm away from uh from my family or may, if i go in oh you know this will be a good day for me to drop my son off so we can spend that time in the car uh, when i travel i'm very intentional about the timing of things right so can i can i time it if it's a dc trip you know can i actually time it such that i can drop my kid off at the airport i mean hitting out of the airport <laughs> drop them off at school i go to the airport and actually be home in time for dinner right and so i so you, you it just require you thinking about it and being much more intentional and strategic um and then you can do it but it, it's not easy i have a good partner uh, my wife is, is very supportive, but she's equally, equally busy. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, the, the word really is being intentional and mm-hmm. you can pull it off.
0: Okay, that's good. That's something I'll note as well. And she will get there. Um, so um, I have, as we conclude, because um, I know you have a lot of things to do. So as we conclude, how have you been so successful as a pioneer in your field? What do you think has complemented your success? And what two pieces of advice would you give to those wanting to pursue the field that you're currently working in?
1: Yeah, so uh, I've been fortunate. Um, I I think uh, I have always been very, very hungry um, and and just, you know, in in resilient. I think is a way to describe me. So I, you know, have many setbacks Mm -hmm. uh, sort of in in life in general. And and I've used that experience to apply to my uh, professional career. So I don't get as worked up as, as some folks do about about certain challenges, I just find mm-hmm. a way around it, and I because I've been doing that my entire life. Oh, yeah. um, so so being re- being resilient, um, you know, working working very hard, um, and also finding finding mentors, being very intentional about finding mentors and mentors that that look like you, mentors that don't look like you. As mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, my advisor is 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 more of a sponsor and a champion than even a mentor. He's just a, he's he's a really good friend um and so you, you got to make sure you do that and, and don't be afraid to ask questions I ask questions all the time including to the people that report to me uh you know I, that's fine I, and I tell them mm-hmm. I don't care about being right I just want to make the right decision so you know tell me if if I'm wrong that's fine but I want to make sure that we we get it right it doesn't have to come from me um so uh, preaching yeah yeah so hey so the, the advice I have is, is really essentially that is is, work hard and, and get mentors um, don't be afraid to to ask for help ask for advice um, it does not show uh, any sort of weakness uh, we all struggle even the most arrogant folks that don't want to show it um, they all do and it, it's much more important i think to get it right than to actually be right yeah
0: that's true that's good that's something to note. um so what two pieces so yeah so, what's been the most beneficial advice you have received?
1: Oh man, you know,
0: last question, right? There.
1: Yeah, you know, it's actually what I what I talked about earlier. I mean, I, I, I get lots of advice, and, and oftentimes I internalize it. Um, and it's it's funny. My wife and I were debating this, right? So a lot of times I get, and as as, as engineers and, and scientists, we're taught to not memorize right? We're taught to, to understand like how it works. Yeah, and right it's funny, so she's a, she's a lawyer by training. And a lot of what they do is, is, uh, I mean, lots of complicated things, but also memorizing cases and exactly where things were found in, in the case. And, and we're taught to do the exact opposite, right? So she would be able to pull up, oh, here are the, the three most important pieces of advice for me. And they came from A, B, C, and D. For me, I usually take that advice and I, and I internalize and I incorporate it. And then I'll forget like, man did I get this advice from someone because I've just started to to do those things Mm -hmm. Uh, but one I just that that I I I often pull out which obviously mean that it was means that it um it it was important and stuck with me is the whole build your voice piece and this was from a actually one of my my wife's law partners many years ago and and we were talking about I think diversity and just how to how to change um the, the various fields of engineering of law and you know he basically said well if you can't you can't do anything it, it's very difficult to make these changes kind of at the bottom and what you got to do is is build your voice and be exceptional and then once you do that then the change that the changes that you attempt to make uh they'll be so much more impactful mm-hmm. And so that's i love to sort of leave that with uh with you and, and your audience and it, it certainly has worked for me
0: yes thank you again dr bay it was good to have you on yeah